Hey, thank you. I'm really glad you uh, decided to take part in our online and on-site worship today. Forgive me for drinking in front of you. It is water, Jason. Or the world's weakest coffee, whichever you want to. This morning we are starting a series of uh, a teaching series on prayer. I have no idea where it's going or how long it's going to last. I know how long it's how long I know it can't last a whole. You know I know how long it's not going to last past June thirtieth. Figure it out if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but we're starting today. Michigan-born author Ann Rule is often quoted as saying, don't confuse me with the facts I've already made up my mind. Um, I think you, some of us already thought of somebody. Um, unfortunately, many of us are like that sometimes. Human beings are like that. Don't confuse me with the facts I've already made up my mind. I think human beings have been like that for a long time. About 2,000 years ago, a Greek Stoic philosopher observed a similar attitude. He wrote, it is impossible to begin to learn that which one thinks one already knows. If I already think I figured something out, you can't tell me different. <clears throat> he said that about 2,000 years ago. Boy. One of my favorite devotional authors recently uh, wrote, sometimes the more we think we know about something, the more difficult it is to grow in our understanding. The more we think we understand, the, the more we think we know about something, the more difficult it is to grow in our understanding about something. And he finishes with, I think this is how it is with prayer. Most people have some kind of an understanding about prayer. I, I did some research. At least the majority of the people in the United States pray on a daily basis. 55% of adults in the United States pray at least daily. Uh, even, even a small percentage of people who don't claim, uh, don't claim any kind of organized religion pray. I find that, always find that interesting. Um, I, always, I would love to have coffee with these folks and say, okay, let's talk. I mean, I know why I pray, but what are your reasons? And they, they probably have some good ones, but... Uh, that 55% that of adults in the United States pray at least daily. Some pray uh, weekly and, and, uh, and, or monthly, but even beyond that. So the key question is, but what is prayer? Well, you know, a lot of people say they practice prayer, but what is it? Do we understand it really? Do we really understand prayer as well as we think we do? 
Uh, maybe not. Uh, in his letter to the first century church scattered around the Mediterranean Sea in the Middle East, Jesus' brother James wrote the following words about prayer. It's in his letter, James, the, named after him, James, chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. He says, Is anyone among you suffering? He or she should pray. Is anyone in good spirits? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you ill? He should summon the elders of the church and they should pray for him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and there was no rain in the land for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land sprouted with the harvest. Well, okay. So the words pray, prayed, and prayer are used seven times in these six verses. And I would add, sing praises is just another way of saying prayer. So that makes eight. But I wanted to be technical because, well, there are technical people in my family who would have said something like, well, technically, Father. <laughs> I, I must admit that until uh, I was preparing uh, for this, this study and this, and actually even this week as I was looking at these verses, in more detail, I've read these verses like a how-to manual. Um, and, and I've really not caught the key verse. The key sentence in this verse isn't about how to pray. <coughs> the key sentence says, the prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. <coughs> See, the emphasis is not on how to pray, it's on who prays. The righteous person, the prayers of a righteous person. Oh, now, what in the world does that mean? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for most of us is when we think of righteousness is somebody who lives by all the rules. They got the rules down. And that's a, it, it's part of it. Let me tell you an interesting story about righteous people that comes from the book of Genesis. Back in the 
the beginning, the first book. Genesis means beginning. Uh, it's about a, a guy named Judah and his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Who, by the way, if you go to Matthew chapter 1, you will find is one of the women, there are five women named in the genealogy of Jesus, and she's one of them. Her story's important. So she's married to one of uh, Judah's sons. And he dies, and they still have no children. Now, tradition and law at that time was that in order for the family name to be carried on, since she had been married to the oldest son, was that the next oldest son should marry her and have children for his older brother. So he was to have children with her for his older brother. It didn't happen. And he died. There was one son left, and Judah counting. Only got one left. I kind of want to keep him. She seems to be like, like I don't know, a black widow. I, bad luck for my kids. I don't know. So, but he says, you know, and she, and he's kind of young. So he says to her, "You go home to live with your family until he's old enough, and then he conveniently forgot." In the meantime, his wife died. And he decided to cope with uh, his grief in, in, well, in a way that I wouldn't suggest. As he was traveling to another town on business, um, Tamar heard that he was going there, and she dressed up and played the part of a prostitute and saw him coming, and he hired her. But since he had nothing with him to pay her, he gave her his family signet ring and some other things to identify himself, saying, I'll come, I'll send you payment tomorrow and get these things back from you. But when he sent payment, no one was there, no one had heard about a prostitute being there. And so he was totally confused and just decided, oh, let her keep him. I got what I wanted, she's got what she wanted, and everything's fine. But three months later, he founds out, finds out his daughter-in-law, who supposedly is living with her father and not supposed to be with anybody, is pregnant. Three months pregnant. Well, that's not right, so we're going to burn her at stake. Because, well, obviously she's sleeping around. And, and she said, well, that's fine, but just so you know, the father of my baby is, owns these things and sends it to him, and he finds out that it's his baby. Some of you are thinking, was this ever of Jerry Springer? <laughs> uh, might have been. I don't know, but it could have been. Uh, and, and, he, and this is Judah's statement. She is more righteous than I because I didn't give her my third son. And we're all sitting here going, 
she acted like a prostitute. Now, granted, you hired her, but she acted like a prostitute. How does that make her righteous? It makes her righteous because she was fulfilling her responsibility because her responsibility as wife to her first husband was to have a baby for him. And she did whatever she had to do to make it happen. Her relationship was the first part of righteousness and the behavior that came afterwards. She acted in relation in, as a result of her relationship. Now, I'm not saying go act like immorally because somehow that you can justify it. But I am saying that righteousness starts with our relationship with Jesus, not with our behavior. We need to remember that. A righteous person isn't righteous because of their behavior. A righteous person is righteous because of their relationship with Jesus. Behavior follows relationship. Behavior never precedes relationship. You cannot behave yourself into a relationship with Jesus. That's why it's just totally futile to say, I, I'm going to follow Jesus as soon as I get my act together. Anybody who's been following Jesus for any length of time who is totally honest will tell you they still don't have their act together. And if they act like they do and they tell you that they do, they're lying. So they don't have their act together. And you can tell them I said so and if they want to argue about it, I'll be glad to help them. This side of heaven, we are not going to have our act together. You're waiting for that. You're in trouble. We just need to relate to Jesus. So here, how does this work? How does this righteousness work? Well, the good news is you, we can be human beings. We don't have to be some kind of super, I don't know, non-human to be a power have be a righteous person we can be a human being Elijah was a human being just like us that's the whole point of this when Elijah prayed amazing things happened but he was a human being just like us now we're going to look at his story in detail next week so I thought I'd throw that teaser in there I'm not going to tell his story this week but for now you know James gives us a summary of it. He prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years and then he prayed and it rained and there was a harvest. That's the summary of it. James wants us to know that becoming a righteous person is attainable to anyone. And, but it's because righteousness is a relationship thing first. It's not a behavior thing. It's not some super strict behavioral issue it is a relationship we need so what is prayer so i've looked at this realize prayer makes us like jesus because it builds our relationship with jesus prayer makes us righteous people 
because it builds our relationship with Jesus. And when we become righteous people because of our relationship with Jesus, our prayers are powerful and effective for the good of the world and the glory of God. We can't learn something new about something we think we understand completely. Uh, that's especially true about prayer. Once we think we have it figured out, um, we're going to stop learning. We often view prayer as a task or an action for us to perform. Uh, we teach children, for example, that it is a way of talking to Jesus and asking God to fulfill our desires. And that is certainly part of it. Not saying that isn't part of it. But it isn't all of it. Now we find ourselves striving to improve our prayer practices so that somehow we'll receive more from God. But what if, what if prayer is more than just a simple act that we do? What if prayer is about creating space for us to know Jesus better and to become more like him? To know him and to be known by him. What if the primary goal of prayer is to connect with Jesus and develop, to develop a stronger relationship with him? Think about that for a moment. What if the primary goal of prayer is to connect with Jesus and to develop a stronger relationship with him? How would this change our approach to prayer? Now, I'm not sure I have all the answers to that because I'm suddenly aware of the fact that I need more and more and more and more. Any of the things I thought I had figured out about prayer, I'm beginning to think, well, maybe I need to rethink some things. I was reminded by something my sister said this week. Uh, you only learn when you get out of your comfort zone. I hate it when my sister says stuff like that. I'm supposed to be the one telling her how to grow up. Um, after all, I'm the oldest. Um, so for now, I've decided that I'm just going to settle for a prayer. Settle. Not settle for, settle on. A prayer. Instead of a snappy little sentence this morning the sermon in a sentence is, is is essentially a prayer holy spirit make me a righteous person whose prayers are powerful and effective for the good of the world and the glory of god holy spirit make me a righteous person whatever that means and however that happens so my prayers are powerful and effective for the good of the world glory of God. Will you join me in praying that God will do that for us? That God makes us more righteous, if you will.
J.D. Wall put the prayer this way. Come, Holy Spirit, make me a righteous person whose prayers are powerful and effective for the good of the world and the glory of God. Indeed, let there be light. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying in the name of Jesus. what we want to see. That's what Jesus taught us to see, to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Amen. For those of you who have connected with us online, thank you. And uh, if you've not already done so, whether you're online or on site, if you have not joined the Champions of Hope Facebook group. I'd encourage you to do that. Um, you're going to receive some opportunities to find things and see things that you won't get anywhere else. And you, who knows, you might be able to connect with some people that way. As you go to live as sent ones, may the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your heart. Amen. You are sent. Go with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.